gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is the podcast for good men who want to live epic lives. Gents, we are continuing a series with the 10 attributes that make strong, mature, and authentic Christian men. And right now you guys are about to get part four of this series. And it's nothing that I intended to extend this long, but I definitely feel like the Lord has been working on me as I start to dive deeper into these topics and discuss this with other people and really get more insight from different places. And it's an awesome journey. And I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. The first week we discussed two of those attributes and that first one was seeking wise counsel. And we said that there's that old saying that a wise man never knows all, only fools know everything. And really it's the uninitiated and immature man or male that makes decisions in a vacuum. And it's mature men who find strength in asking wiser men around them who have gone before them for insight and for wisdom. And then in that attribute, we focused on Rehoboam's folly in dividing the entire kingdom of Israel for all of history. Then we moved on to the next attribute of a mature Christian man. We said that a man has to take responsibility for the things around him. It was Jordan Peterson that said, your life becomes meaningful in precise proportion to the depths of the responsibility that you're willing to shoulder. And it is weak men who let others take responsibility for what they are actually capable of being responsible for while leaders, true leaders, true mature and wise and strong Christian men make themselves ultimately responsible for everything that goes right and wrong in their sphere of influence. And in that attribute, we focused on Nehemiah stepping into the middle of a problem that he had nothing to do with, something that he did not create, but he stepped in to find a solution. The following week, we moved on to the attribute of a man who thinks long-term. If you will live like no one else now, then you'll be able to live like no one else later because it is pleasure seeking males that lack the capacity really to delay gratification, to think long-term while strong, mature Christian men have self-control, discipline, perseverance to delay gratification. And they actually bargain with the future. So we focused on Jacob uh, convincing Esau to actually trade his birthright for a plate of stew. And while that actually seemed absolutely ridiculous, we know that immature men will trade eternal values and fulfilling the responsibility before God to fulfill their sensual appetites that dominate them. After that, we moved on into a man that submits to God. Now notice that all of these are verbs. These are things that a man does. So he submits to God. Because a mature Christian man understands the power of being under authority, not just assuming authority. Because as in war, when men are fully submitted to God, they have access to the protection and the covering from higher headquarters. And we discussed how Jesus actually marveled at the centurion's faith because of just his understanding of that fact that when you are under authority, when you are under submission, you have access to resources that are not your own. And we also looked at the story of Abraham and Isaac and saw really how he was fully submitted to God throughout the entire process. And then finally, I did an offshoot one last week where I talked about how a mature and authentic and remarkable Christian man possesses a strong sense of conviction because a man who lacks conviction is someone who absolutely lacks courage. He's weak. He's easily swayed by the world around him, but it takes a mature Christian man to stand firm on his convictions, regardless of the consequences 
and anything that is coming against them, all the pressure that might be coming against them. So for that, we focus on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the conviction that they had when they stood against King Nebuchadnezzar and the resulting salvation that they experienced from the fiery furnace and everything that we learned when things got hot. Now this week, guys, I want to bring you two really awesome and practical uh, attributes that I believe are things that I'm absolutely working on right now. I know that this is something that I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, where are you at? And grade myself daily on this. And I just have the added bonus of having a really strong and solid wife who's not scared of being brutally honest to the point where it kind of just hurts all the way down to the bone, you know, that kind of brutal honesty. Uh, and so today, guys, I want to jump into the first one where I believe that a wise, mature, authentic, and strong Christian man listens twice as much as he speaks. Now, it says in James 1, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, I think we have to first say that that slow to hear is first a slow to hear God. And we definitely talked about that in full detail when we talked about being submitted to God and submitting to God. But I think that it is worth restating that a man who is quick to hear the Lord and able to almost from second nature, okay, or first nature instinct, he says, yes, Lord, that is a sign of a strong man. And then we also are quick to hear the people around us and emulate Jesus. And I think it's extremely interesting when we look at the dialogue, the red letters of the Bible, because what you'll notice right away is that Jesus was asked 183 questions. If I'm not mistaken, he was asked 183 questions and he answered less than 10 questions directly. Guys, you got to understand that when Jesus was asked a question, only a very small percentage of those times did he ever answer that person with a direct statement. More often than not, he answered with a question. And Jesus asked actually more than 300 questions throughout the four gospels. Again, that's just something that I believe that we as men can come before God and just say, Lord, can we just learn to emulate Jesus in this and be slower in our speech and not just think of what we are going to say next? It actually reminds me of Proverbs 18.2, where it says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And you can actually say that another way. And it just says, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They just listen with the intent to reply. And it's so true. I mean, think about the last time that you did that, where somebody's speaking to you and you're just thinking about the next thing that you're going to say, or the way that you're going to refute them, what it is that you're going to say to point out about their part of the argument that is not correct guys. And You got to understand, like I am pointing at myself when I say this here, you shouldn't be worried about others not understanding you, but you should absolutely be worried about you not understanding others. Remember that. We should also remember that listening is actually an activity that requires a skill and it's a skill that you build over time. You don't come out of the womb with just an innate ability to just listen. And by listening, I don't mean hearing. I mean, actively listening, practicing that conversational judo where you are sitting in somebody's shoes as they are talking to you. And the only thing that you are doing is trying to understand them. 
that's just a sign of growing and maturing as a man, being able to actually stand in a conversation and not just want to be heard, not just want to be understood, but making that other person feel heard and really getting to the bottom, getting to the heart of the matter. And I think that's really the essence of listening twice as much as you speak, that you are actually trying to listen to the heart of a situation and of a person in a situation so that you can partner with God much better and come into communion with him with a a, a heavenly solution for a problem. It's Proverbs 18, 13 that says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Will Rogers says, never miss a good chance to shut up. I love that. It's so simple. It's so true. Like, think about that. You have an opportunity to just shut up and listen and partner with God about what he might want to say or do in a situation, but it takes listening twice as much as you speak. And we know guys that a truly wise person actually uses few words. Said another way, there's actually an old saying that says you should listen thrice, think twice, and speak once. And Proverbs 27, 17 follows that up with a truly wise person uses few words. Now, I'm just going to pause right there. There's a semicolon, but I'm going to pause right there and ask you, would somebody describe you as a truly wise person based off of that description? Because you use few words or you somebody who has a lot of words, has a lot of things to say in the matter, and you are going to make sure that you are heard. Again, I'm just looking at myself in the mirror here and I'm pointing to myself. I'm talking to myself here, guys. And if the shoe fits, please do wear it because we're just trying to grow here, right? And that verse continues to say, a person with understanding is even tempered. Again, would somebody describe you as that right now? The full verse, a truly wise person uses few words, and a person with understanding is even tempered. Mm, that's a good measure right there. Now, it's an intelligent man that doesn't know it all, but he does know how to ask well informed and meaningful questions. And I think the only way to get there, guys, is by being able to actively listen, to use fewer words, to focus on putting ourselves in somebody else's predicament while they are talking, to allowing ourselves to partner with the Lord, to hear from him when a situation is happening and not just wanting to be heard or understood. You know, and I've actually had the opportunity of seeing this play out in the military in a really cool way. I've seen leaders just have this ability to almost detach from a situation or seemed like they're detached because they're, they're speaking less. They're pulling back while everybody else maybe is more high stress, intense, throwing out a lot of words. They're stepping back to get a wider field of view and see the situation for what it is. And it's such an effective way of operating. It's, it actually causes me to want to respect those people even more. These are the type of guys that while we were in operations, you would barely hear them on the radio. But once they spoke, you were tuning in because you valued their input. You valued their voice. They did not just speak to fill the air, right? They didn't just speak over you because they needed and demanded to be heard, but they always sought to understand. And these guys were awesome at just taking a tactical pause. And I think all of us can grow at being, at being men who could take tactical pauses in the middle of heated situation. And I think all of us would want to grow at being good at taking a tactical pause in the middle of a heated situation. That's that thinking twice portion of that 
listen thrice, think twice and speak once. It's somebody who's able to just slow everything down, let things simmer, right? The best things that we can ever cook don't get put into the microwave for 30 seconds. They actually get put on the back burner and like let that thing just kind of go on slow boil for like three hours, right? That's how you really get the juice out of the the entire meal. And that's what these guys and that I found are really, really good at doing. And they're able to do that repeatedly, no matter how high stress the situation is. And I think, in my point of view, that that is the mark of a strong and mature Christian man. And bottom line, guys, whoever listens well can get to the heart of a matter and partner with God for a solution. And I think that that is something that the Lord is looking for us to do in all ways, right? In our home, but also at work right? In our church, but also out in our community. Do you dream of being known as a resilient and confident Christian man? Maybe you've even wished that you would finally become more faithful and disciplined, but after trying so damn hard, you still don't see any lasting change. So you feel discouraged and ashamed. And I get that because that was me more than eight years ago. But I can tell you right now that one of the things that's going to help you become the man that God created you to be is by getting a life coach, somebody who's going to be in your corner and walking with you along the way. And because I understand the transformative power of a virtual life coach, I want to offer you a free session right now on me. All you have to do is head over to thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Now, I did say from the very beginning that there was no order to any of these attributes. And, you know, this one becomes number seven on our list here as you're listening to it. But I would move this all the way up into the top three if I was to put an order to it. Okay. And that's simply this a mature and wise and authentic Christian man surrounds himself with godly men of character. There's an old saying that says, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you will be. Now that is extremely important to hear guys. It's not, I'll tell you how successful or not successful you will be, or, you know, how good at this thing or how bad you will be. No, it's who you will be because who you will be matters much more than we think. Who you will be decides what you will do. It decides how you will do things and it decides why you will do things. I believe that this one is challenging because we all have friends that we know are not really very good friends for us to have, especially if we're trying to move forward, you know, and, and kind of make progression in our Christian walk. But we still have those friends that maybe, you know, we live when we lived in dysfunction or friends that we have a soft spot for them in our hearts. I know I have a few that when I call, I just kind of, I feel like I still want to connect with them. I still want to enjoy conversations with them. But the more I get closer to Christ, the more I feel like I separate from these guys. And I just absolutely, you know, I cannot converse with them the same way that I could before. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, I'll start backwards with that one. I love how it says that a companion of fools will suffer harm. It doesn't say like the companion of fools will just, you know, they won't be, they won't do so good. They won't be that wise. You know, it doesn't say they'll just become unwise. No, you will suffer harm and that harm will be either spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or physically. I also don't think that this verse is talking about worldly wisdom. Actually, I know it's it's specifically talking about biblical wisdom. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Now, if you're looking at a group of guys who you would say are godly and wise men, I think what you will say is that it's because they fear the Lord, right? They actually have a genuine love and awe for God and they're walking in obedience. And I don't think that you can actually be in their presence, get around them and befriend them and, and really get close to them without being fully convicted by their walk. That that's the kind of people that I'm talking about. Psalms 119.63 says, and this is the message Bible, I'm a friend and companion of all who fear you, of those committed to living by your rules. Again, that that fearing you, right? These are friends who genuinely care more about what God has to say in a matter than hurting your feelings. They care more about seeing you thrive in your marriage than just allowing you to make foolish mistakes because you feel angry. They feel just as much invested in your life and you not making dumb financial mistakes because they fear the Lord. And so they come to you and they come forward with, with information. They come forward with actually questions, right? Like we talked about before with more questions to hopefully get you to see the matter the way that they see it. Your fear of the Lord is shown when you're seeking friends who also fear the Lord. That's how that works. And it's kind of a, a crazy circle there. Now, good godly men can help you become a great godly man. I think that that friction, right? When it, when we say that iron sharpens iron, I don't think it's a one for one swap. I think that there's this synergy that happens that when you get around good men, you don't just become good, you become great. It's the same reason why if you get one horse who by itself can pull 5,000 pounds and you get another horse and by itself, it can pull 5,000 pounds. You think that when you combine them together, they'd be able to pull a load of 10,000 pounds, but that's actually not the case. And it's been shown over and over again that for some reason, this team of horses can now pull 12,000 pounds. And you're wondering, well, where'd that extra 2,000 pounds come from? That is synergy right there. And I believe that's the same thing that happens when you get around other men who are able to sharpen you, good, godly men who are able to tease out the things that are just not good for you. And they're able to come to you humbly, yes, but also sternly and show you the way, right? And I, I guess maybe one of the ways that you can know if your companions are fools or if you have guys around you who are just, maybe you need to start detaching from, here's a, a quick list. Those guys mock accountability. They have no accountability in their lives. They ignore wise counsel. So they are making decisions without ever seeking information, ever seeking wise advice from anybody around them. They abdicate responsibility. There are things around them that they actually should be taking responsibility for, but they run away from it. They embrace mediocrity. They embrace passivity. These are guys who just are not trying to get better. They're okay with the status quo. And when things are easy, they're happy. Now, this next one you might think is very obvious, but maybe it's not. And I want you to think about this one. There's guys who justify their sin. They justify it to you and they justify it to themselves. And then maybe you even start believing them. They also reject delayed gratification. Now, if there's guys around you and you are surrounding yourself with a bunch of guys who cannot think long-term, they cannot give up, uh, you know, the right now, the feeling good right now for something greater in the future. Those are not the people you want to associate yourself with. And then they victimize themselves. 
that has to be extremely frustrating to you. I hope that you grow an extreme frustration around people who become victims, around narcissistic people who victimize themselves in every single situation. And they constantly need to prove themselves. That's another annoying one where you have a man that you can never just say something to without him one-upping you or feeling like he is always in competition with everybody else around him. Now, for you guys that have been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that I love Jeremiah 616. And it really plays in here as well. It says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So I need to ask you guys, who will you ask where the good way is? Well, I hope that it's godly men of character who can better point you to the ancient paths. Guys who maybe, yes, have gone before you, but also are there with you when you're at the crossroads. And so I challenge you guys to surround yourself with people that make your path brighter and more clear, especially when it's hard. Not guys who want to protect you from the hard paths. Not guys who want to just only hold your hands through the hard paths. Sometimes that's not what you need, but point you to the way when you're on the hard path and make that path brighter. Another reason why it's extremely important for you to surround yourself with good, godly men of character is because God often uses other people to speak to you. Like sometimes God's voice sounds like your friend's voice. And, and here's what I mean. In First Samuel 3, there's a story where Samuel's laying in bed and the Lord calls his name. So he gets up and he goes to who? He goes to Eli, right? And Eli says, what are you talking about? I didn't call you. So Samuel goes back to bed. So again, Samuel's laying in bed and he hears Samuel and he says, here I am. He gets up and he goes to Eli. Eli says, what are you talking about? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. This happens a third time. After the third time, finally, Eli realized what was going on and he said, hey, if it happens again, just say, hey, your servant listens and, you know, just hear what God is trying to say to you because it's it's God who's calling your name. And again, guys, the thing to remember here is that every single time God spoke to Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli. So to Samuel, God's voice sounded like Eli. Now, I'm not trying to hyper-spiritualize that or get completely out of you know biblical context, but all I do want to say is that sometimes what God has to say to you and what he wants to speak to your life about your marriage, about your finance, about your fitness, about the things that you're thinking about and focusing on, about your family. Sometimes it's going to come through that friend who's willing to bear the, you know, that uncomfortable conversation, look at you in the eye and tell you the truth. Now, we have to be honest that that just is not as common as it should be today. For some reason, everybody wants to be nice and everybody wants to not seek any sort of discomfort in a conversation. They don't want to rock any boats. And I even have friends who I love dearly that I don't challenge enough. And I know that. And that's something that I set for 2023 to actually be a much better friend to these people by challenging them in the ways that I feel like I need to and and bringing things to them that I feel like God is putting on my heart to bring to them. But oftentimes, guys, if you're honest, we've traded deep friendships up for one reason or another for what we are now calling buddies. So now we all have buddies everywhere that we go. You have your work buddy and you have your drinking buddy and you have your sports buddy that you can talk about football because he's also a Bills fan, whatever that means. 
And then you have like, you know, your work buddy that you get to only talk to when you're at work and you never dialogue about anything else, uh, you know, or ever hang out with him any other time. And in some unspoken or unwritten contract, these guys' availability ends with their presence in each domain. So that's why you don't have your drinking buddy also be your church buddy. And that's why your sports buddy sometimes is not your work buddy. And those boundaries are clear cut. And we, nor they, have the desire sometimes or even the ability to dwell beyond that shift or that next drink or that next game, the next season. And we do it to ourselves, right? But I think that when we are looking biblically at what it looks like to surround ourselves with strong, godly Christian men who would be willing to just bang down the gates of heaven to get us in, right? Like that, that's the kind of guys that I want around me. And we actually find those guys. We find those guys in Luke five and it says here, and behold, some men were bringing on a bed, a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and they let him down with a bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, I want you to get this guys. It does not say. And when he saw the paralyzed man's faith, it says when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. I think we're all longing for that sort of small band of brothers. But like most things, the change that we want to see actually starts with us, right? The longing for deep and meaningful friendships is also a call for you to be a deep and meaningful friend to someone else and to create that deep relationship. And if you want men around you to vandalize a house and make sure that you get your moment before Jesus, then you have to be willing to be that man for somebody else. There's just no way around that. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Becoming Man podcast. If you want more free, impactful, and transformational resources, be sure to stop by the website, thebecomingmen.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever other platform you use. And if you'd like to do something to support The Becoming Men, it always means a bunch if you're able to leave a quick review or rating on iTunes. Also, many thanks to those who've partnered with us to support our work through financial donations. Your support helps make The Becoming Men podcast and our free resources available to men around the world, literally. If you're interested in becoming a partner, you can find out more at thebecomingmen.com forward slash partner. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash partner. Until next time, continue to march.